Welcome, uh, as always. It's Friday night. It's seven o'clock. Cracker Jack was two hours ago, for those old enough to remember it. Uh, This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast uh, with your old Stamford Chidge for a bit of a preview show on a Friday night, as we like to do. And uh, as ever, I am uh, I am joined by uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. You're looking a bit like a ninja tonight, mate. What's going on? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. You can't do those voices. No, we're not allowed I to. Do a, I played a, I played a ninja last year on a, um, a kid's noddy thing, and I, I started off by going, "Oh, I can't." And they went, "I'm sorry, no, you can't do that. No, no, that's too Asian. We can't have that." She said. So the in the ninja in the end just spoke like that. Ha ho 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 ha ha. So there you go. So Jonathan Kidd tonight will be bringing you the Chelsea fancast in the style of an Etonian ninja. Exactly. There we go. Uh, great to see you as always, mate. On a Friday night. Uh, now I am. I am so delighted to see this man because uh, I haven't seen him for ages, and uh, it's good to see him looking in rude health, Mister Marco Gate Seventeen Worrell himself. Buonasera. Really lovely to see you, mate. Yeah, it's good to see you. You all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All good. Well, good. Right. Well, we will crack on then. Uh, lots to discuss on the show tonight. Uh, we're going to have a quick uh, look back to the uh, the wonderful 4-0 uh, win against Krasnodar uh, in Russia in midweek in the Champions League. Uh, we're going to have Liam Toomey from The Athletic joining us for a little bit to talk about uh, the week's news, mainly Krasnodar and, of course, uh, and, and the presser from yesterday, of course, and, of course, the, the Burnley match coming up tomorrow. And on that point, we've got the lovely... Andy Hodgson, who's an old mate of mine from um, the Love Sport radio days. He used to present the show after me on a Sunday. Uh, He's a massive Burnley fan, and uh, he's also a very talented radio and TV presenter and quite an established voiceover artiste. And I'm looking forward to a voiceover off between Jonathan and Andy. It could get quite catty later. I'll be up for that. Yeah, Yeah. I think it could be quite catty. We shall find out. But Andy's a top bloke, so he'll be giving us his view on Burnley and the match tomorrow. And then we will do our bit at the end of that and uh, tell you what we think about what might be happening tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully they'll be playing the 4-3-3. And, of course, that is where we're going to start tonight because... I mean, it was. I mean, you know, Chelsea seemed, you know, for the last kind of year, uh, re redefining the word. It was a game of two halves, and it, and I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't that impressive for the first half. Uh, you know, what? It was complete shite. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. But it wasn't impressive. I'm going to stick with that. But I think the most important thing that happened, beyond the fact that we scored uh, three goals in the second half, and we won four nil. We put aside a. An irritating but not really very talented side in Krasnodar, but they went four three. They went four three three three. Jonathan, they be, they did what we've been saying on this show for weeks and weeks and weeks. Kante came on for Jorginho. Um, Mount came on for for Kovacic. Boom. Yeah, Jorginho and uh, and Kovacic should never play for us again. <gasps> That's a bit harsh, mate. Yeah, but go you on. Can I also say? I'm not. I'm not enamoured of, uh, of Rudiger and um, uh, and Zuma playing together. I don't think that's. I think that's the blind leading the blind. Those two together. I'm afraid. I think Silver and Zuma is a better proposition because he clearly gives him a bit of uh, of a g up. But um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The the first twenty minutes of what on earth was going on? Tippy tapping the ball giving them the opportunity to run on. What was that going on? Yeah, second half, we're really lucky. And Adoy, what is Adoy doing on that pitch if he plays as badly as that? What is going through his head 
They were awful, that team. Crossing it was back to the Europa League again. And to have him running at people and passing the ball back and not taking them on, he was very lucky with the goal, just because the goalkeeper was the level of them, really. Absolutely dreadful. Was he Kepper in disguise? Well, hey, it looked like it was a worse it was a worse error than Kepper's ever made. It made I think. Kepper look good, mate. I thought. It did, it yeah. did. It did, but no, second half, great. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Werner do, do, has. Do, 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 do you think, though? I mean, you know, sticking sticking to the the main point. Do you, you know, because I've been winning on about it for ages. It just seems to make so much sense to me. You know, we don't need two flaming defensive midfielders. Kante can do the job. You know, to 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 block and destroy. Stick two potentially brilliantly mobile midfielders yeah, exactly. in there. They're all speedy. They're all mobile. Yeah. And you, you close that like gap a, up, don't you? Jorginho's a cart horse. For goodness sake, he may have an ability to play absolutely glorious 60-yard passes to feet, but please, and if he's going to miss the penalties, just get Werner to take them. I, I mean, you know, for good, goodness sake, again, I can't believe it. Well, I mean, no. I, I want to hear what Marco thinks about the default tree tree. Uh, but obviously, I, I, we do need to talk about Jorginho and the penalty. But Marco, I mean, were you happy to see uh, 4-3-3, Kante, Mount and Havertz in the middle, linking yeah. the play, making us look good up front? I think um, I think the most reassuring aspect of the 4-3-3 and the change that spawned it was that Frank sort of decided to do it. So clearly, it wasn't working. Um, clearly he had the plan worked out to change it and sort of didn't sort of half-heartedly change it. He just went and changed it in, in one hit. It wasn't like, well, let's just, let's just push him forward and bring one man on. It was just like, right, let's just change it now. So, you know, for me, that was the most gratifying aspect. The fact that it was, the change was made. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, logically, uh, the, the kind of the game management has to reflect the opposition and, and the thinking, you know, behind that. And I think sort of going back maybe um, two or three games to when it when it when it became clear that you know the defence had to be sorted out, the goalkeeper thing had to be sorted out, and it was kind of well, let's sort that out, and then everything else can follow. So for me, it was kind of it was nice to see to build on the fact that we've got this confidence and robustness at the back again, and then the change to 4-3-3 in game that sort of brought an avalanche of goals, um, you know, is that the way forward? It's just, you know, it's nice to see that we've fixed one problem and, you know, addressing the, the, the fact that we're not scoring enough goals. I mean, I think I think the thing for me, and and this is what I've been whinnying on about for for weeks, it seems, is that clearly we've had a problem trying to shoehorn in Havertz, Mount, Werner, Pulisic, Zayic, whoever you know, so one of those just does not fit up front, uh, and 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 I, you know, I'm old school, Marco, like you, and I, I, I we talked about it on Monday's show. Funnily enough, the joy of having a number four, a number eight, and a number 10 in midfield and a midfield three. Why not? You know, Mount Mount can be an excellent box-to-box midfielder. He's got an engine, but he can also be a threat up front. And Havertz, I think we, we is, it, it's well known that he prefers to play as a number 10. He's clearly a very talented lad. 
and and we just seem to have this disconnect between you know defense and the defensive midfield and attack and you know you're right i mean we did we did shore it up didn't we with mendy and silver and very impressively so if i may say so but of course we lost our cutting edge and i think that was why so i for one am delighted to see frank doing that I mean, no doubt we'll talk about it when we get Liam on on on, on the line because uh, I know it came up in the presser. But you know, I think it's a preferred system for me, J.K. But I, I I'm I'm not an old luddite completely, and I do recognise that you know you need to play horses for courses sometimes. And different. I mean, you know, like like we did against United, I thought that three five whatever it was or the three four three worked very well then. And I think sometimes you can change it in games, and that's what good managers do. Mourinho yes. was a master at that, wasn't he? Yes. Well, I think it's very commendable, if you think about it, that Frank decided, right, I'm going to have to do something about the defence, and did so. Uh, it just meant to the detriment of the rest of the team. But it, the very fact that he can do these things in a small number of games, and the, and then that so many people are calling for his head because they haven't yeah, well, played no. very well, which is absurd, of course, of course. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Mark Meehan nailed that on Monday, and he said, just don't listen to them. They just don't, No, indeed, yeah, indeed. He's but, right. But it's right. interesting to see in the kind of little microcosm of this he's actually in how many games is it we've played now in the season nine is it is he's he's been slowly but surely attempting to to deal with these things so obviously he's not the kind of manager who's going to sit there and do nothing and the very fact that he can do it during the game as we've established reveals him as being tactically very apt rather than inept yeah. so you know i'm 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 happy with that i just i think one of the major things that's happened though is that the the goalkeeper is clearly a class act yeah, yeah, made some good saves again, commands the box, shouts at his defenders. You know, what's not to like? Um, right, now, what is not to like? Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I thought the first half was just so, so pedestrian, too many sideways passes, and I think you're right. I, I, I just get this feeling, and it's a, a feeling I've had for a long, long time now, is that a lot of modern footballers are actually not footballers. They're actually just superb human specimens. They're very fit, they're very athletic, they're very strong but they've got two bloody left feet. And I think Rudiger and Zuma play like that. You know, they, they don't have the footballing skills to be defenders who can play out the back. But uh, the midfield malaise was really Jorginho and Kovacic really slowing things down as we've seen them do many times. But of course, his biggest crime uh, was not playing rock and roll. It was missing a penalty, Marco. What did you say about the hop, skip and a fail this time? Well, I mean... We hit the post, didn't he? So it's not—it's not like he. That's still a miss, mate. No, I know that. I'm not defending him. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I—I I, I always thought that um, sooner or later a goalkeeper would work out, yeah. you know, the hop, skip, and a jump, go the right way, and and then that would mess with Jorginho's psyche, and that would be the end of the hop, skip and a jump uh, penalty. But but he did hit the post. Um, and had he had he sort of directed the ball a couple of inches to, to, to his right, he would have scored because the keeper was nowhere near it. Was so, play. yeah, so we got yeah. that bit right. Didn't yeah, we? so, you know, um, I mean, personally, you know, I, I thought Werner should have, as soon as they signed Werner, he should have been the designated penalty taker. But kind of going back to the Ross Barkley Valencia game last last season, when he was the designated penalty taker and and fluffed his lines and booted the ball in, into the top of the top tier of the uh, Matthew Harding, you know, um, you can kind of see Frank's kind of got a little bit of a loyalty thing going on 
with his designated penalty takers. But I think, you know, I think that's it now. You know, Werner's going to be the man. Um, well, I think something else, something else might predicate that, and that that me could be Georgino's that, not playing. Yeah, you know, if he ain't playing, he can't take the penalty. Anyway, I think I have just to say I loved the penalty. I loved Werner's penalty. Yeah, proper penalty, actually, wasn't it? I actually laughed. Yeah, I laughed. Yeah. The the, the no nonsense wander up to it. Wallet. Possibly good yeah. into the roof of the net. I'm a much Three. bigger fan of that. I have to say. I mean, but look, let, I mean, you know, in the interests of balance and being fair, uh, never never let it be said that I'm not balanced or fair. But uh, Jorginho's had a pretty good run. He, I mean, he's you know he's something. He's missed two out of fourteen, and that's not not bad. Actually, it's it, people seem to forget the one he missed against uh, City in the League Cup final. But uh, you know, he's had a good run, and actually, they look pretty good when they go in. It's a bit like those Penenkas, isn't it? They look like yeah, genius yeah. when they work, but you look like a complete ass if they don't. And that's exactly. the trouble. That's the yeah, trouble, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I think Jorginho is. A, is it's quite an interesting topic all on his own, isn't he, really, in terms of... I can see a book coming out next season, Mark. Well, not really, no. OK. <laughs> if, somebody wants to, if somebody wants to write it, I'll consider you, publishing yeah, it. Yeah, delegate it to Dean, but it won't be very... It will be rather yeah. myopic, won't it? That's the trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of... I just wonder if his run's coming to an end. Yeah, yeah. Um, he thought his run had come to the end at the end of last yeah, season. We were happy to to wave goodbye to him, weren't we? But the transfer didn't go through wherever he was going. So obviously Frank has thought, well, I'll, I'll try him out in a permutation. But it's pretty obvious to me that the, none of the permutations he'd tried him in has worked at all. So, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's got to play his son, hasn't he? That's it. Yeah. So, well, as, we, we, as, much as, the, as much as half of Twitter hates the fact that, you know, I think Mason Mount's versatility at such a young age um, you know, from a box-to-box perspective, he brings a lot more to the game um, than than Jorginho. Well, Sorry, Jorgi. Mate, I have to say, I think you know Mount will Mount will only get better, and I don't think Jorginho will. I think that answers that. Well, we've got to wrap this part up because uh, in a minute. Uh, we're going to talk to the absolutely wonderful Liam Toomey from The Athletic, who was at yesterday's press conference, and he can tell us everything that the great Sir Frank of Lampard had to say. We will be back in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stamford Chich. Im over there, the ninja that is Jonathan Kidd. Oh. The absolute delightful Mr. Mark, Gate 17 Worrell. I'm actually going to officially change your name from now. I will always now refer to you, Mark, as Mark Gate 17 Worrell. <laughs> All right, is that okay? No. Okay, I won't then. Marco, it is. <laughs> now, I did promise you before the break that we would have the lovely Liam Toomey from The Athletic uh, on, and of course we do. Liam, how are you, my friend? I'm very good, guys. Good to see you all again. Yeah, you too. Lovely to see you. Um, and how's your week been? You were I presume you weren't in, uh, in deepest, darkest South Russia. No, 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 no. I don't think any 
I, I don't actually know anyone on the Chelsea beat that made that trip. No, well, why would um, you? You can watch it on the home, no. uh, home and te- on the telly, mate. You know, why go? Yeah, the, the away trips at the moment are not particularly worth it no. because you're not getting the atmosphere of a full stadium anyway, and uh, and then you don't have the post-match in person, whether yeah. it be a mix zone or a press. You're allowed or... allowed to stay in a hotel. Are there any hotels? You have to sleep on the street. Is that what it? <laughs> I don't think, don't think well, times you, are that hard on the Athletic, mate. If you went as far as Krasnodar, I'm sure they'd put me up on, in the local Premier Inn for the night or something. So, Liam, what what happened in the old presser yesterday? I mean, I mean, just just my little headlines from what I saw of it. Um, you know, the usual injury updates. Bit of praise for Pulisic. Uh, obviously, the penalty that we've just been talking about about Jorginho was raised, and of course, the wondrous. The delightful uh, tactical switch to four three three, but uh, what was your overall impression? Yeah, he was um, not as tired as I expected him to be, uh, given that they'd all had about four hours sleep after that trip from Krasnodar. Actually, the first, yeah, the first thing to say is it was, I was quite surprised the press conference was on Thursday rather than on Friday, and I think they probably did that with the Russia trip in mind, maybe giving them a little bit more recovery time before the, the trip to Burnley. Um, but he was he, he was good. I mean, Lampard's quite measured. He's quite emotionally steady most of the time. The only time he really got uh, slightly vexed were when Jesse, Jesse Marsh's comments about Christian Pulisic. Yeah, what, what was what was that all about? Uh, and who is Jesse Marsh? He is the coach of Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, he's also an American, um, and he was referring to a conversation he had with Lampard after Chelsea played Salzburg in pre-season friendly before last season. Um, they felt Lampard was sceptical of Pulisic because he was American and he was sceptical of the impact that he could make in what? English football. What? And crucially, this wasn't something that Lampard said to Jesse Marsh. This was something that Jesse Marsh read into uh, from the conversation he had with Lampard. So Lampard wasn't best pleased um, that that Marsh had come out and said that, and, and he was very keen to set the record straight, not least to Pulisic himself, you know, because uh, he, he wanted to make it clear that he never doubted him. Um, of course, Pulisic didn't play very much at the beginning of last season, that's worth saying, you know, to work his way into the team, but Lampard said that that was just, just as much because of Pulisic's, Pulisic's busy summer uh, and that he was trying to manage him into the team. And I think there's no denying now, I mean, seeing the, the impact Pulisic's had, that, that Lampard is, is a huge fan of what he brings to this team. Yeah, quite quite right too. And and I thought I thought Frank made an excellent point actually saying, uh, excuse me, Jesse Marsh, I actually did play in America for a little while, so I kind of do understand the mentality out there. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um Penalties, obviously, we, we, we talked about it a minute ago about Jorginho missing the penalty. That was obviously going to come up in the presser. Uh, I mean, knowing Frank, he played that with a bit of a straight bat, Liam. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to come out and slam Jorginho because anyone can miss penalties. And as Lampard pointed out, he, he missed quite a, a few relatively high-profile ones in, in the Premier League during his own Chelsea career. Um, Jorginho still only missed... I think three for Chelsea, one in his first season, two this year. Um, I think Bruno Fernandes has missed two recently as well. So it happens to the to the best takers. And Timo Werner actually did a big piece for the Athletic on Chelsea's potential takers a month or so ago. And Werner had missed 
four penalties before he got to Chelsea. So there, there, there are no or very few flawless penalty takers. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, the boys will remember we were doing a lot of, uh, I mean, I need to pick them up, but uh, this is not the time for my excuses. But on the 50 years of Chelsea series we were doing, we were, we were astonished that my memory completely forgot how many, A, how many penalties the, the mighty Kerry Dixon used to miss, but also how many different penalty takers we used to have and they all used to miss as well, boys. I mean, do you remember that, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kerry, Kerry seemed to miss absolutely regularly. So then Nigel Spackman took over and he missed. And then, of course, Pat Nevin missed as, about yeah. a, a most, the most of the lot of them, I think, particularly that absolutely dreadful penalty where he just dribbled it at the goalkeeper, which yeah. is one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it didn't really get sorted out until Graham Roberts came in, did it? But there you no, go. No, indeed. He had a... A very good knack, just top right or left-hand corner blasted. He, was he liked good. to do what you like to see. He walloped it. Um, now, um, we were very delighted, uh, Liam, because we've been saying it on the show for a few weeks now that 4-3-3 with Kante, Mount and Havertz is the way to go. I think it clearly made a difference against Krasnodar. Now, you, I know, wrote an excellent piece, uh, I think it was this week, uh, on, on, on getting the best out of Kante. Um, I think this is the best way to get you know the best out of Kente if you see what I mean do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you said in the article and and, and what you think about the 4-3-3 well so what I was quite interested about was that so far this season um Kante's virtually done nothing in Chelsea's attack which you know his attacking contributions have always been relatively marginal the odd shot here the key pass there but He's done absolutely nothing. It's zeros across the board, pretty much. He's he's focusing on his defensive impact, and um, you would think that's that's a, an instruction from Lampard in an attempt to try and balance this team. Uh, but one of the things the piece was getting at was that him and Jorginho, um, with, with him in that midfield too, in a four-two-three-one with Jorginho, there there isn't really enough ball progression into the four attacking players. And I think we've seen that in the games. There have been long stretches in some of Chelsea's games where they have, they've they had these four amazing attackers with Timo Werner up front and they're actually getting bossed in midfield and they can't get the ball to them in the first place. Um, and so I didn't really get into the merits of the 4-3-3 in that piece, but I know it's something that a lot of people are talking about. And I think you're right in saying, Chidge, that it did make an impact and open things up against Krasnodar. And that's why I asked Frank, actually, directly um, in the press conference whether... It was you, Liam. Would... I didn't know you. Yeah. you got... There we go. Good man. <laughs> well, I asked him whether it was something he would want to take a look at in the next few weeks. And his answer, I mean, you know, he's never going to say a cast iron yes or no to these to these tactical things. But he his answer suggested he is going to look at it, um, I think. And I, th- I think it's right. I think particularly against teams that Chelsea would expect to dominate the ball against. I think having Kante as the holding midfielder with two more attack-minded guys either side of him uh, probably works quite well in terms of the balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We, 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 we seem to have memories like goldfishes this year, don't we, when it comes to football? But I do remember a big theme last year, Marco, was that you know, we weren't scoring many goals from midfield. And, and that was a problem, I think. And I think if you put the likes of Ma- uh, Mount and Havertz, and actually even Kante, Kante can score goals. I mean, you know, if you put those three in midfield, Marco, you've got people who can contribute up front as well. 
Exactly, and I, I think you know, much to everybody's great delight, when when Kovacic finally did score his, his goal, he's he's not, he's not exactly a source of um, goals either. So, you know, I think I, I don't know. I'm I'm just a big fan of creative attacking football and not the old Catanaccia style. Um, and I, I I just think I actually think now Frank's built a bedrock of stability at the back, hopefully with Mendy coming in and Silva bringing a bit of solidity and, and leadership there. I just think, you know, we might see a bit more of what we saw in the second half against Krasnodar. Um, interesting to see what happens tomorrow against fairly dour opponents. But then going back to the Pulisic story, that's where he scored his perfect hat-trick last season. So who knows? Flick the coin up, see which side it lands. Oh, it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, Liam, you know, what's your sense? I mean, you know, this is one, I mean, I remember this when we used to do the Love Sports Show, you know, and we get you on on a Friday. We, what was the, the joy of it for us was that you had actually been in a room with Frank Lampard and you can get a real sense of what he's thinking. I know that you don't get that opportunity now because it's all on Zoom, but, you know, where do you think it's going for tomorrow? Well, I, I do get the sense that he's going to look at 4-3-3, whether that whether that happens as soon as tomorrow, I'm not sure. But I, th- I think he probably can because he rested Kante for most of that game in Krasnodar. Um, and I think he's rotated his attackers reasonably well, although I know Vern has played quite a lot of minutes. Um, so I think I think he could go largely with that lineup against Burnley. And they've got a pretty high recent standard of performance to live up to at Turf Moor. Mm. They've, they've played really well there in the last few seasons. It's not just the... Pulisic perfect hat-trick. I think the year before was arguably their best performance under Sarri when I think Ross Barkley scored twice and they, they played brilliantly without Hazard. So um, It's a place that they've actually not struggled too much at. Um, but we know Burnley can be can be difficult on their day. They're very very stubborn team the way they set up. And I think the, the emphasis will be on creativity because they will try and sit deep and be compact and, and challenge Chelsea to break them down. Good stuff. How, well, how much is the uh, um, the defensive stability dependent on uh, Jorginho not coming up the field much? I'm just worried that you know if we sacrifice, um, we, we, we've been dissing him earlier, saying he should never play again. But um, what if? No, you, you uh, were actually uh, sorry. I was, but what? What? Yes, I was. What if? In actual fact, the stability of the defence has been down to him not actually coming up much. And it makes them very vulnerable playing the 4-3-3 against a team like Burnley who might actually break pretty quickly. I think he's played his part. Um, Jorginho is not, not a complete liability defensively. He's, he, he's got reasonable instincts and he, he can put himself in the right positions. It's just he's so relatively athletically limited. And slow. Play. Yeah, yeah, that players can go, and not the strongest either. So players can go past him. They can bustle their way through him as well. Um, so, yeah, he's played his part. But I think the main reason for Chelsea's defensive solidity has been Thiago Silva marshalling that, that back and, four. And Mendy. And mm-hmm. Mendy, yeah. And Mend- and the calmness that, that Mendy has expected to the, to the people in front of him. Yeah, well, 
You know, unlike unlike uh, you know, Jorginho, uh, you are definitely athletic, Liam, uh, and I I look forward to uh, reading your tombs next week uh, in the Athletic. Uh, but until then, uh, well, but hopefully we'll see you again soon. I, I love these little Friday night shows, as you know. But we'll try and get you on the Monday one soon. But have a great weekend, mate. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, thanks for joining us as ever. Thanks, guys. Same to you, and speak soon. Thank you, Liam. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you new Wi-Fi for Christmas. All right, mate. Oh, it's been a nightmare the last two days. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the weather. It's the weather, mate. Always, we're English. Always blame the weather. So there you go. Right. We will be back in a uh, minute or two. And we're going to be joined by the absolutely delightful uh, Mr. Andy Hodgson, who is a massive Burnley fan. So we, uh, don't go away. Don't Don't touch that dial, as they say in radio. fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast proper chelsea footballfancast.com right welcome back this is the chelsea fancast because of me your your uncle stanford chidge uh, the ninja version of jonathan kidd to my left hello uh, Mr. Mark Worrell, the, uh, the well, the, the leader of the Gate 17 firm. I'll leave it at that, Marco. Very good. Very good, okay. okay. <laughs> the Chelsea Literati. The Chelsea Literati, I like that. Now, we've got, uh, we got a guest uh, on the show tonight, as ever, for this. The Opposition View. And he is the wonderful, the wonderful star of radio, TV, the second uh, best voiceover artist that I know personally. Sorry, Andy. He's he's yeah. here. What can I say? Uh, but he's also a massive, massive Burnley fan. And he's actually a lovely chap and a bloody good radio presenter. We were lucky enough to work together at Love Sport Radio. How are you, dear boy? I'm marvellous, thank you. It is delightful to uh, chat to you again and delightful to play second fiddle <laughs> to the greatest voiceover artist <laughs> in the universe. Uh? <laughs> I just want him to talk to me in his Ferrero Rocher voice. Never mind yeah. Chelsea and Burnley. The ambassador's it. reception is known for... I never remember the words. I did it 20 years ago. For something about a great taste, a sign of great... I, would you believe I can't actually quite do the voice anymore? No, they, they need to pay you more money. That's it, what you need, it, yeah? It, well, funny enough, I think it's what it is. I'm not cranked up enough for the job. <laughs> mate, <laughs> Jonathan... Uh, you're me a fiver, you're, be, you're being replaced by Andy, mate. That's what's going I'm, on. I'm happy. I'm happy. I've, I've, I've done my bit. It's time po- to move, yeah. move po- on. To posh blokes are passe. We want gritty posh northerners posh. now, you know? Yeah, that's right. Of the Northerners, yeah. It's true, actually. It's happening more. All, all other thing is, there's people who can't actually do it. We're being replaced by. That's the <laughs> thing. Oh, meow! I told you it would get catty. No, I told no, you it no, would get catty. No. But it is. There's a girl at the moment doing something. If you listen to her, she's clearly done it on her phone. She's on LBC a lot. Let's go LBC. And she got a voice like that. She just does that on the way through. You know, sign out on the way through. And, you think, and, and nobody hits the... That what you're supposed to be selling, you know, you just think, what did they say? What word? What what are they doing? Rohan, you go, oh what? Rohan, oh okay, I think it's Vodafone. No, it might not be. So, the, tr- okay. the trouble is, the trouble it's is, you get spoiled, don't you, Jonathan, doing this job because uh, it means uh, listening to the adverts now is a different kettle of fish. You actually listen like you care now and criticise everybody, whereas before you just turn them down. 
No, 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 no. I've always listened like that. Always. <laughs> All right, time out. Always you two, in competition. You, always. You two lovey lovebirds. Enough. Uh, we no, love. Darling, be more like We that love you love. both. We're we love loving. you both. We're not being like that. And remember, Jonathan. Re- remember, no. Jonathan. I have the mute button. All right. Yes, it's as simple I know. as that. All anyway, right. Andy, where were we? I, and I, you, you've got three seconds before it gets pressed. All right. Now, oh. I, I want to talk to this fine man about Burnley. That's why he's here. Uh, and the first thing, Andy, oh. something I didn't expect to talk about at all, actually. Uh, I'm tempted to say ever, but that would probably be rude. Uh, but I, I read in the, the, the news and Sky Sports News and, and BBC Football yesterday that there's a, a 200 million quid takeover of Burnley in the offing, uh, a certain Mr. El Kashashi, so he's clearly got the cash, and uh, Chris Farnell, who um, is a sports lawyer, and I have to be very careful what I say here, but he was certainly, um, he, he kind of failed, failed the fit and proper person's test when he was trying to buy Charlton, although he's, and he had a ban or something, but he's kind of been deemed clean, but there's something afoot. Is this a good thing for Burnley or not? Do you know, if you believe all the gossip and all the stuff around it, everyone's saying, how can they let somebody uh, like this solicitor guy anywhere near? No one knows anything really about the Egyptian part of it. And when you look it up, it turns out this guy has had major success in Egypt with a food company. And he's been looking to get into British football for some time. Now, uh, Farnell is based in Cheshire. He's helped uh, players like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Roberto Martinez, he used to represent as well. And uh, he advises on player transfers. So he's been involved in sport as a sports lawyer for a long time. Uh, and from what I can see, the he's, <laughs> unfortunate press that he's getting at the moment is that he's been involved uh, with clubs like Charlton, Berry, and Wigan, all of which uh, everyone's scratching their head going, hang on, why would you want him involved with yours? But if you're a sports lawyer, you've probably been involved with player transfers with most clubs. It's just a good headline, I guess, to get involved in, uh, uh, to, to mention those clubs that have uh, gone down a little bit, to say the least, and had controversy around them. What, what, I, what I have read, though, is that um, his uh, problem with the EFL was, in fact, a technicality uh, in terms of uh, the fit and proper person's test. It was the procedure rather than the person. And now he's past that stage, and they have said he's free to talk to other clubs and do what he wants now. So uh, on appeal, uh, that was that was not found. So obviously, people who are just reading the headlines are going, oh, my God, why would we want someone like that involved? But then, you know, if you look at the shiny, uh, gleaming part of his career, uh, he's been involved with some fairly meaty names. And uh, I think he's been trying to get into the management uh, side, the ownership side for some time. And he owns a, a shell company, which I've seen was set up last November with this uh, Kashashi fella. They got 50-50 shares. Uh, they put £100 down and there's nothing else on the account for it at company's house. So hopefully they'll be putting more money into it if they want to take over for £200 million, eh? Isn't well, £200 million cheap for a Premier League club? Well, I guess, it, I guess it depends what the assets you're buying. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously in terms of cash that comes through it, but what a lot of people forget, I think, is that cash that comes through it with a club like Burnley size goes out really quickly as well. Um, because we've got, you know, like, like all Premier League clubs, we've got, for us, tiny Burnley, we've got a massive wage bill. So we might get a chunk in from the, the revenue of the TV, but unlike the top six clubs that have got global revenue and sports rights all around the world, we don't have that kind of income. And we don't have 60,000 people turning up at the stadium when you could do that either. We have 20,000. Um, so in terms of the assets, you know, we've got a cracking training ground now, which is now 
you know, Premier League standard and players actually go there and go, wow, this is actually, this is good. I like this. Um, we've got a nice little old ground uh, that's been modernised slowly as we've been in the Premier League. You've still got the wooden seats in the away end. The away end still has the wooden seats. I love that. Tradition. I love yeah, that. And, and if you reach down when you're in the away stand, you'll feel some holes. If you feel the holes, they were built in the 70s and that was the very first under seat heating, no word of a lie. And the guy who ran the club at the time, Bob Lord, who has his own stand there now, um, he uh, put it on for the first time, and the story goes, he put it on, saw the electricity bill, and never switched it on again. <laughs> Not that that's stereotypical in any way, shape, or form. Um, listen, mate, um, you know, but I'm Sean Dyche has done a superb job at Burnley, in my opinion, and you know, he's he's very, I think he's, I don't know, maybe maybe you would tell me different, but I, I always get the impression he's quite diplomatic about not saying, look, guys, I've done a great job here for eight years. Give me some money to buy some decent players and I'll do an even better job. Would <laughs> would El, El Kashashi and Farnell coming in uh, allow that opportunity for Burnley to actually go and buy, you know, the kind of players that Dye should want and take them to the next level? Well, who knows what discussion they've had? I mean, there's there's been, Dyche has been there for eight years, uh, every year for the last five, there's been the gossip that says, is Burnley big enough for Sean Dyche? He does brilliant on peanuts. Surely he'd be better off at a, at a bigger club testing what he does. He's actually one of the most realistic guys I've ever met. I've sat down with him at dinner, had a chat. I mean, his, his reality check on life is fantastic. And if, if you look at a lot of football managers that were around over the last 20 years, a lot of them were showbiz. They love the big cars. They love the big houses. They love the big everything. Sean cracks on, does his thing, gives the players two days off a week. They always know when he's given them the days off. He respects family. He goes home and in his own words to me, then I just have a curry with the lads and we don't talk about football at all. We just talk about other stuff. So he's really realistic. And I, and I think that's that's the thing about him that's been brilliant. With money, could he do better? Well, of, co of course, you know, it would change the club. Um, and, and, you know, if they invest more, do they get more awareness? Yes. But are they coming in to do that in reality? No one knows apart from them whether they're coming in to make a fast book and, and move it on. I don't know. Are they coming to invest and be there for 20 years? I don't know. Uh, and that's the difficulty with it. We don't know in the reality until they arrive and get the keys. I don't think anybody will know. Mm. But could and Sean do better with money? Yeah, of course he could. Who are the owners at the moment? Um, they're guys that have been involved in the club for the best part of 10, 20 years. So the the, the chairman is Mike Garlick. Um, he's been on the board. He was the, the um, co-chairman for a while, and he's been on the board for a long time. He hasn't got, you know, £200 million to spend on Burnley. Um, the, the rest of the board all have, you know, millionaire status, not billionaire status. Um, so they've never had huge amounts. The, the, cha the chairman before that, Barry Kilby, you know, he made millions, but again, it was millions, not billions. Uh, and that's a huge difference. When the club's in trouble and your wage bills, you know, 50, 60 million at Burnley, you can't reach in your back pocket and say, well, I'll just keep us going. Hang on, I'll lob in 50 million quid and it means nothing to me. Those guys have run it like a corner shop. You know, they, they, they run it on the basis of let's not go into debt because that would be a bad thing. We're a small club, so we run the risk of relegation every year, frankly. And every year we stay up is fantastic. Um, and therefore, if we go down, let's not do what all the clubs that have done, that have, you know, pirouetted all the way down. Let's not be a Bolton. Let's not be a Portsmouth. Let's not be a Sunderland. And those are all lessons that have gone before. And Fans don't get that. Fans go, oh, why are we not spending all this money we've got? 
Well, I'd rather, frankly, we, uh, we teetered around the edges but stayed solvent uh, than went into administration like many clubs have uh, flirted with over the years. Well, Charlton were an example of that. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were they were, were weren't they? Purposely, and, and in fact, he was doing wonderfully keeping them 13th in the division. Be careful yeah. what you wish for, I think, is the moral of that one. But Rangers did it earlier on as well, didn't they, when uh, Wright was involved <clears> and uh, and they, they I can't remember the name of the manager they sacked at the time. But yeah, it's a pattern, isn't it? Are they willing to sell? Do they want to be selling at the moment? Or is it a hostile takeover? I, uh, no, I get I get the impression that that Mike would be quite happy. Uh, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we had a chat on the way to Millwall. Uh, and he said he said, you know, the, the fans don't realise, you know, I haven't got loads of money, and neither of the others that are around the table. But what we've done, you know, we've done well with the club, we've done well with the money we've got, and we've done well with the resources. And you know, a lot of that is down to to Sean's sensible man management as well, and recognition that goes, this is how you should run this club. And you shouldn't go every five minutes. I need another player, and if you don't spend fifteen million quid, I'm off. No. Um, you know, and, and and the reality of our club is is we should be signing ten million pound players, maybe from the championship. But that's become harder and harder over the last ten years as well, because all you know there are, there are players in the championship that get a weekly wage. I know for a fact more than you'll get paid at Burnley. But and and so they go there and happily play in the bottom end of the championship because they're getting more cash. Mm. Um, so you know, it's not. I don't think it's hostile. I think he's always said if there's a, if there's good investment, uh, then we should take it. I suspect Mike would probably want an involvement in the club, but you never know. It depends on the terms when the takeover comes, doesn't it? So. Well, talking talking of talking of uh, Sean and. Uh... And, and well, I mean, really, just how it's going this season. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you're you're always worried about getting relegated. Um, I mean, he always gets you out of it, though. That's the great thing about Sean. I mean, I know you went down in 2015, but at the moment, it's not looking too good. But it is early days. Uh, no win this season. I thought you were a bit unlucky against Spurs last week, and I have to say, Andy, I mean, are you worried? I do you know? I never get worried because every year we stay in has been a real bonus as far as I'm concerned because of the size of the club that we are and the, therefore the players that we can attract and will always attract. So I, I, I tend not to worry about it. And if we nick a few games, you know, for instance, if we beat you tomorrow 6-0, which is possible, <laughs> um, then, you know, that'll be a high point. But that'll be like, that'll be a bit like, you know, winning the FA Cup for us. You know, so when we give someone a spanking, it's like, whoa, look at that. Little old Burnley have given them a, a thought. It was, like 12, was it 2017 at Stamford Bridge and we were 3-0 up at yeah. time. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, you know, moments like that are fantastic for Burnley. Um, we have started slow before. So in the last couple of years, you know, we've been appalling up to Christmas and everyone's gone, oh, my God, Dyche has run his course. Uh, he makes a couple of changes, but nothing major. He doesn't slag the players off in front of the camera. He keeps a steady medium. Uh, a lot of the players have said to me in the dressing room, he, you know, he he's not a shouter. Uh, he will think about what he's saying first, and then he'll have a conversation with you. Uh, and, th and therefore, all the players that I've spoken to him about him really respect him because of that, they, because they say there are managers that treat you like kids, and he treats you like an adult. Mm. Uh, and therefore... So far, he's always got himself through to the point. I think because he doesn't lose the dressing room ever. Mm, he's a good manager. I think I got a lot he of time for shout though anymore because he's, he's always shouting out orders, isn't he, from the side? I don't know how he manages to ever ever keep a voice. He's, he's like, <laughs> do all the time. But let me ask you: if, yeah, since 1961, where has it gone wrong since Ray, <laughs> po since Ray Pointer? What happened? Yeah. yeah. I don't, it was it was building that Brian standard Douglas. in the 1970s. Douglas. It's all gone wrong since then. 
has. That's what it was. It's, may I say that Rodriguez, I think, is a fantastic yeah, is. player. A, a really, really played for England, terrific. didn't he? Once, terrific, I think, yeah. when he was yeah. at really Southampton. So, I've like, Andy, how, how do you see how do you see it going then tomorrow? I mean, I, I just just but just a bit of a uh, you know a precursor to that. I mean. I think a lot of big six sides go, oh, we're playing Burnley at Turf Moor. They're going to kick us off the park. It's going to be really tough. But actually, I think that's a bit of a myth because our record against you up there is actually really good. So how yeah. do you think it's going to go? It's, it's always tough. I mean, I, whenever I've done the uh, the co-commentary for Burnley and I, I sit at Stamford Bridge or I sit at Turf Moor and I look at the Chelsea team, I always make the same comment, which is, it's not a fair game, this, is it? Uh, all the Chelsea players are taller, faster wider and all of them can play football this is just not fair and so that's why when we do all right i get very giddy and so on that basis it will be the same tomorrow matching the stats man for man we shouldn't have a chance however the way we played the other day we've got the two main strikers back that we generally play with which is wood and uh, and barnes barnes is a naughty little boy and so if he can naughty get away man. with a few nasty he, nasty player well, is he? Because uh, all he, it's, it's really simple to suss him out, right? So all he does is the ball goes up in the air. He looks where the player is. He just takes a few steps back and says, go on, push me. Gains a bit of ground. We get a free kick. But the trouble is, is that referees are being inept because that was one of the most, I'm a qualified referee. That was one of the most basic. I did it because I, at the time I was, wasn't acting at all and it was easier to earn a tenner every time I went to the plastic pitch <laughs> and end of the, uh, the road and say, uh, oh, I'll referee a game for you. So and, I and I can do the commentary at the same and time. And do the commentary as well while I'm doing it. And I get 50 quid a week and I take the girlfriend out. But then she chucked <laughs> me. She said, I thought thought I was going out with an actor, not a referee. But um, that was the I most... Know, I know that. She texts me straight after. Anyway, <laughs> I thought so. She'd been out with you. I knew she... I knew it. I knew it. But, um, I think I'm working we, um, in the call centre, isn't it? <laughs> but we... Um, 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 uh, I've lost my thread now. Oh, yeah, the most... Basic, <laughs> well, I haven't, I haven't. The most basic thing we were told was that if the player looks at the other player behind which he does, you're absolutely right, and yeah. then gains a foul of some kind, he's the one who's guilty of it. Refs, yeah. refs are so absolutely useless. I have to say, though, I, I have an admiration for him because yeah. he's, a, he's a decent player. He's just such a filthy bastard. And if, uh. he, play, if he was playing for us... We'd love him. Yeah, we'd yeah. absolutely would, love him. Costa, we yeah. loved him. Same yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely love him. Um, but he has. He's got that little bit about him and that edge. You think, oh God. I, I, I tell you, I tell you, the thing to look out for is, is yes, sometimes he does the look behind, but a lot of the time now he doesn't do that. He way before he susses where the player is and he right. gravitates towards them without the look oh. and says, "Go on, you're twice as big as me, so this will be funny, mate." Uh, and then, and then stands okay. there going, "What?" So Andy, oh, Andy, is he? Andy, really is he... Bridge once he then kisses you on the nose if you get upset well, about things. That's true, uh, Andy. Um, how will Deitch approach this? Because you know we we've kind of unlocked unlocked uh, you know the creative talents that we've got in that last match play, we played against Krasnodar, and I, we all think it's because he played four three three with Kante, Havertz, and Mount in the mid. We're hoping he's going to do the same tomorrow. Mm. So you know what's Deitch going to do? Is he going to basically try and just shut up shop, or is he just going to go for it? I don't think he will. I, I, it's, it's interesting because over the years, we less and less shut up shop. It's really important that he gets the balance and he makes sure that the team is really honest and from the front two, they defend all the way back. And that and that stops us shutting up the shop because it means we can break out. In the old days where we didn't have two strikers up front in order to get out, we never got out. And it looked like we were you know, putting 15 at the back. So we've got a good strong defence. We've got a good midfield that comes back. Uh, even Dwight McNeil, who's our flair player, who will probably play on the left tomorrow. You know, he gets back and defends. 
both the left and the right, they can do the little dainty triangles from the left and right back and play their way out. And then with, with Ashley doing his thing and, and Wood being, you know, leading goal scoring most of the time, we've got something up front to go for as well. So we'll certainly defend resolutely, uh, but can we get out of there? I suspect we can. Um, but I'd be surprised if Chelsea didn't nick it, I think, is the truth of it. Can you give us a prediction in the style of Sean Dyche, please? Uh, I think... Mm, uh, just eating a mouse. I think it'll be 3-1 to Chelsea. Big lads. Hey, big lads. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Andy, it's just delight. I mean, it's made Jonathan's year that I've actually got somebody on a show that he can relate to in a, in a, in a proper sense of the word. It's absolutely lovely seeing you again. I miss the old love sports stuff. Hopefully that'll come back one day. Uh, I wish you luck tomorrow and uh, thank you very much. Great to see you, mate. Lovely to see you as well. And as they say, 6-0 to the Clarets. I made all that up before. We're the winners. If you Cheers. do that, if you do that, I'll eat 100 Eccles cakes tomorrow <laughs> after evening after the match. So that ain't happening. Andy, great to see you, mate. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Bye-bye. Brilliant. Andy Hodgson there, massive Burnley fan, does the co-commentary, all sorts of stuff. Work with him on Love Sport. And Can he's a, almost Brian as good a voiceover as Jonathan. What? I said Brian Douglas. I should have said John Connolly. I do apologise. I got the winger wrong. So. Anyway, we will be back in a minute to give you our view of the Burnley-Chelsea match. So there. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, uh, and uh, it's me, Stanford Chidge, of course. Him over there, Jonathan Kidd. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's like a ninja tonight. And we've got the absolutely lovely Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera. Buonasera, yeah, indeed. Andy had some interesting things to say there, and, and I was particularly interested in that. that 200 million takeover that could change them but now it's all about the Chelsea that's all we really care about uh, I think the first question Marco is you know and we, we touched on it all evening really haven't we but will, will Frank stick uh, with 4-3-3 in midfield with Kante Mount and Havertz and you know what kind of difference will it make I think I think um, it, would be, it would be strange if he didn't um, given you know, given the merits of everything that happened in in a game uh, where we were playing opponents, perhaps not too dissimilar to the ones we'll face um, in, in Burnley, sort of, you know, technically limited, but know how to um, close the ball down and, and shut opponents out. I, I mean, I, for my sins, I, I watched the... Um, the, the, the Spurs Burnley game or parts of it that was on the TV the other night, um, and they, you know, Burnley do a good a good at what they do. That all that said, Chelsea usually turn up and um, have a have a good go up there. So uh, I think it'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I hope Frank sticks with it. Um, why would he change? Yeah, quite. I, I think I think you're you're right there, mate. And I think it was really encouraging. I mean, you know, let's face it, Andy's got a far better idea of how Dyche will set up and how Burnley will play than we have. And I was quite encouraged to hear him say that he thinks they'll, 
you know, they're not going to just try and play with 11 men behind the ball. They will actually give it a go. And I think that will help us. But if they are going to defend as resolutely as he also said that they will, we need our creative players firing on all cylinders and we need to unlock them. And I mean, without, without kind of like sounding as over a, a broken record, Jonathan, that's what that midfield will do. You get can you get Mount and Havertz in that midfield supplying the likes of presumably Pulisic and Zayac and Werner because I think, you know, I mean, that is our best team for me. Mendy, Aspie or James, Silva, Zuma, Chilwell, Kante, Mount and Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, Zayac. That's the team I want to see tomorrow. Well, that's what you want if you're going to get the ball played really quickly and you and to unlock any of these these very stubborn defences. But I wonder whether he'll just introduce players slowly um, in, and to create the 4-3-3. And he, I mean, uh, is Aspi essential for the defensive record they've got at the moment with the clean sheets? Uh, in which case, will he bring James in? Although James has been pretty good defensively, but or will he play... Would he play James a bit further up the pitch if he was playing um, uh, because he's so good at playing slightly more forward, playing wing back? In which case, would he then bring SP on later? But J- James played really well against Sevilla in a four, didn't he, if you remember? Yes, he did. He did. He, he was very good indeed. But um, uh, um, uh, one would hope that would be the case, that he'd start with with uh, with with that with that formation. But I wonder whether he'll start with a, a, a slightly more predictably um, less uh, speedy formation in order to bring them on um, later on to uh, to put Burnley to the sword. I'm, I, I'm, I just don't quite think we can predict that, that he would start with that setup. Unless, of course, he starts with that setup, they score three goals and then he slowly brings, brings a slightly more defensive setup on, which I would hate because then we'll be hanging on by our bootstraps, as we always do. But... Um, I don't know. Well, I, th- I think the other thing that's important to take note of, really, you know, and I, I think, you know, it's so difficult, isn't it, Marco? Because we, we, it's like wall-to-wall football. You know, you've got two matches every week. Everybody lives in the moment with everything. Something that, you know, you, me and Jonathan have kind of moaned about about a bit, you know, in terms of Twitter. It's all instant this, instant that, isn't it? But actually, the reality is, if one takes a step back, is that everything that we said would probably happen is beginning to happen, that it would take time these players you know you've got a lot of new players to introduce into a first team that's going to take time a lot of them are coming back from injury a lot of them haven't had much of a pre-season but then you look at what what's happening over the last couple of weeks Pulisic beginning to get back into form and fitness Zayec coming back in I thought he looked exceptionally good against Krasnodar Werner's getting more suited to you know getting to, to grips with the English Premier League Havertz too it's beginning to come together I think yeah, no, and and you know that that has to be a, a very positive thing, and you know, kind of not before time with with all the personnel. I think I think what we're just craving now is some consistency. So we're getting the we've got the the back line sorted out in terms of um, confidence from having a keeper who's at the top of his game. Um, and I think you know, build building out from that. Um, and the second half of that game against Krasnodar. Let's see what happens tomorrow. We've got, I think, the next three Premier League fixtures. We've got Burnley, Sheffield United and Newcastle before um, running into Spurs. So, you know, I mean, you'd like to think that there's an opportunity there, but then you cast your mind back to last season and we lost at Newcastle, um, lost lost against Sheffield United and drew 
and then and then Burnley. So I, I think complacency is a bit of a fool's errand. But yeah, I mean, everything does seem to be going in the right direction. It does indeed. That's a really good point you make there, because, of course, there's also the annoyance of, a, of another international break. But you're right. We've got um, who have we got. Who we got? Who we got? Fixtures. Here we go. We've got uh, Burnley obviously tomorrow. Then we got Wren on uh, Wednesday. Then Sheffield United, uh, and then there's an international break before the Newcastle match, uh, and then Wren again, and then Tottenham. So, you know, it's a bit annoying these international breaks coming around because, as I, I agree with you, essentially, you know, we need some consistency. We need to build build on things, and I think you know. It's a bit like what we were saying, really, about the draws, the nil-nil draws. Though they're a bit disappointing because you, you know, you obviously always want to win. Considering how shaky our defence had been, we needed, we needed that. You know, we needed to get a couple of matches with, 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 with you know, no goals conceded, so you can build on it. And I think we're in that kind of approach. I still think there's going to be bumps in the road, chaps. I really do. I think this this team's gonna is going to take a while for it to generally really start to hum. But you know, I. It's it's about trending, isn't it? One of those things we see on Twitter, trending. As long as the trend is going upwards, and I think it is, Jonathan. Well, I also think it, 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 if we have an element of consistency and draw a few games but don't lose too many and win um, those we should be winning and even those we necessarily shouldn't, um, the way other teams are playing at the moment, I think just being three, everybody, well, not everybody, I think the top six will only be three points off um, the top of the uh, the top of the league. So I think um, as long as we keep um, near but near the top, we'll have a chance of winning it. I think the way things are going at the moment. Well, if people are saying Spurs have got a chance of winning it, we bloody well have. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, listen, the only worry I've got really tomorrow. I mean, obviously we know anything can happen. It's a bit like that in the Premier League at the moment. Kind of really what Jonathan was saying. I think my only concern really is if if Burnley do try and rough us up Marco because we know I mean the, the the saving grace is that I think I think that Phil Bardsley's still ill and won't play but I I always I you know I get a shiver through my spine when I see Phil Bardsley in a team against us remembering what he, he tried to basically cut Hazard in two didn't he when he was playing for yeah, Stoke yeah. if you yeah. remember that we know about Barnes there's a few more in there you know shithouse players you know, and 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 we've got a few players that look a bit a bit vulnerable. You know, Havertz, for example, I think he's being singled out already. Pulisic, I think, another. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only player that sort of makes me um, sort of nervous slightly it seems to be Pulisic, who's who's got a I don't know. Maybe does he need to put a bit more timber on? He, he's obviously he's targeted all the time in the same way that Hazard was. But but Hazard, you know, had a low centre of gravity, and he he took his punishment, and you know, he wasn't when he got injured. It generally tended to be more related to overdoing it rather than being being clattered. Whereas I think Pulisic, you know, you could see it the other night. You know, he was he was on the deck, um, not intentionally, but you know, and I just worry about him losing his fitness um, on a regular basis because of the, the treatment that he gets. Mm. The rest of them, I think, you know, I mean, look at, you know, you look at the units like Reese James, they're, they're, they're not going down unless, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of hit by a truck, are they? Could you, that, that tackle he did on Pogba against United last weekend was just 
a, a thing of beauty, I thought, you know, and, and he went for a 50-50 and he didn't pull out. Pop- I mean, they're all beasts, aren't they? Yeah. You know, Zuma, Mendy, you know, they, they, these guys are, are not, they're not moving, are they? No. Um, I think I think um, Havertz is actually quite up for the scrap, you know, I get the impression. Do that, you see that uh, push he did on, on one of their attackers, the yeah. Russian? Went yeah. down he's like a big a... guy, though, Havertz, yeah. isn't he? He's yeah. Not- yeah, yeah. He, considering he's he's like a he's, he's a smooth silky like a silky smooth silky smooth he's like a he's like a um Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci um statue uh, he's actually got a little bit of uh, he's got a bit of bottle about him i was thinking it's a f- physiological thing about um um Pulisic and Hazard i think it's all in your ass i always got the impression that it was a he had a much a large ass hazard which at the moment uh, Pulisic hasn't got perhaps he needs to eat a few more pies he needs botox in his buttocks that, that could be it yeah. maybe buttock, that's what it is buttock, buttock application all right then you lovely people um i think it's time for some predictions and by the way talking of predictions i'm gonna uh, just update you on the prim predictions league before we we go tonight um oh do you have to i do yeah uh but before we do that how do you see this going marco i think we're gonna win two nil two nil to the chelsea Nil to the Chelsea. Lovely. Uh, Mr. Kidd. I think we're going to win 4 0. 4 0. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I love it when Jonathan goes large. <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm going to be somewhere in the middle, actually, between you two. I'm, I'm, I've gone for 3 1. Uh, yeah. I, I have. Uh, yeah, I think we'll win. I think, I think we'll win comfortably. I, I, I'm just praying that Frank, Frank goes 4 3 3 in it and it's as, as creatively interesting as it was. Uh, against Krasnodar and uh, that Pulisic and Werner and Ziyech continue, you know, their upward progression, which is what's been going on for the last few weeks. So I'm going 3-1. I'm a bit worried about set pieces against Burnley, I have to say, even though we've got Mendy and Silva playing. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe my maybe my fear is unfounded, but we'll see. So there you go. I'm going 3-1. Marco's going 2-0. Jonathan's going 4-0. Now, uh, be interesting to see what they've gone for in the Premier Predictions League. Uh, which, by the way, people, uh, if you haven't got them in by now, you're too late. So tough because there's a, a a game that's just kicked off a few minutes ago, Wolves v Palace. But I can update you on the current standings of the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions table, uh, and uh, I'm I, I'm going to save the best till last. But uh, the wonderful Joe Mingola is still out in front. He's uh, usurped the lovely Claire McConnell, who was leading last week and is doing staggeringly well, though Claire had a bad week this week. She only picked up 14 points. But Joe got 173. He got a 52-point bonus for backing Palace, I think, in something. So Joe is just... He's just... The man's a genius. He's on 625 points. The closest to him is Jarek Kostka on 527. Uh, Joe... I want whatever you're smoking, mate, because you are a legend. But what? What, 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 what? Is he a betting man? I think he does. He's in the Discord group, which I'll mention in a minute, and it was revealing what he had to say. He must be doing rather well if he's a betting man. Indeed. Anyway, uh, he is not the performer of the week. He is leading the table, but the performer of the week is our great friend Ash Pinto, who you've met, JK. He's been on the Q&As with us. Remember Ash? Yeah. Yes, of course. Ash got astonishing 202 points, which has rocketed them up to sixths. Uh, so well done, Ash. Ash got uh, one, two. He got three spot ons. He got the uh, Brighton West Brom, the uh, Palace Fulham and Palace match, and the Wolves Newcastle match absolutely dead on. 
so well done you, uh, Ash, uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see you very soon. But uh, he's now in six. But out of the fan casters, because of course you know a bit like the Premier League, as far as this is concerned, there is a league within a league. Okay, because a lot of the fan cast boys are in there. Me, Marco, Jonathan, uh, Martin Wickham, Mark Meehan, uh, Dane Whitland, Tony Glover, and uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. You got minus one this week. That's better. Yeah, which which brings you a cumulative total of minus sixty six. So you are you are propping propping the uh, the league up. You're holding us all up, mate. I've lost my mojo. You have lost your mojo. Uh, Tony Glover's not much bloody better. He's on minus five. He got minus four last week. So Tony, you're thirty first. Tony's thirtieth. Dane Whittle is twenty ninth. He got minus forty last week. Honestly. This, these are the fan casters. We're supposed to know what we're talking about. Uh, Mark Meehan is 22nd. He got minus 37 points. Marco and uh, Martin Wickham uh, are, are tied in 15th uh, with 249 points. But I have to say, I'm back, boys. I am back. Having been languishing in the nether reaches of the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions table, keeping the likes of Tony and Dane and Jonathan company, I have shot up to the lofty heights of 12th, 13th, sorry, in the league. I got 99 points this week. I got um, two spot-ons, I think, did I? I don't know, just trying to look. Yeah, I did. I got two spot-ons. I got the Wolves match right and the, and the Fulham match right, and, I, and I'm now in 13th. So I am leading the pack of the Chelsea Fancasters, as I should be, of course. As you should be, because you are on the button. I am a knob, basically. That's what you really wanted to say, I could tell. (laughs) It's because you are a knob, Chidge, basically. Your head has grown, Chidge. It's growing all the the time I'm speaking. All I can say, mate, the way this game goes, it will not last. <laughs> you know, and I, I've seen what I predicted this week, and I, it could go horribly, horrible. I'll tell you, I'll give you one of the predictions I've done this week. I've, I reckon United and Arsenal are going to draw 3 3. That's, so did I, I think. No way, really. Well, that is going to yeah. screw me up. I just know it, you know. And I think I predicted that West Ham are going to beat Liverpool, but that's purely out of spite. Yes, so did I. Well, there you yeah. go. And how many, how many points have you got, Jonathan? Uh, You've got minus, minus 66, 66, and I'm picking the same as you. This is where it's all going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> but there you go. Um, now, listen, just before we go, I've got something that I was I, I forgot to say on Monday, actually, but it's very pertinent because we've got Marco, um, who's kept very quiet, actually, about the chats about the Prem Predictions League. But, um, uh, Marco, in my rush to buy uh, Dave's uh, Dave and Smithy's book, uh, Tales of the Chelsea Unexpected, and Chad's book, you know the quiz book, um, and 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 Walter Otten's fantastic. Let let the salary decide book. I also pressed the button on Amazon to get your when when skies are grey, completely forgetting that I already had bought a copy a while ago. <laughs> uh, so I've now got two copies of where when skies are grey, and I thought it'd be great to um, you know give one away uh, as a prize. Although Jonathan did say, "Can you give it to me, Chidge?" And then he retracted. You you officially retracted on Monday, so I I retracted because it was unfair. Somebody else should get it. Well, I thought we should give it up as a prize, but it would yeah, require right. Marco to ask a question, and I've just landed this on him, which is a bit unfair. If you can think of a question in the next minute, right, then uh, then I'll give it away as a prize. So, can you think of a question? Right. The question is: Christian Pulisic scored a perfect hat trick against Burnley last season. But what order did he score the goals in? As left in foot, right foot, head. Which left, order? Left foot, right foot, head. What order did he, did he score his perfect hat trick in? If you email that answer to me at chelseafancast 
at gmail.com, then I will send you, I would love to send you a signed copy of Marco's book, but that's kind of nigh on impossible at the moment. But uh, we'll send you the book anyway. It's a cracking read. And uh, and there you go. So my stupidity will be your, uh, your kind of uh, windfall, as it were. What if there's a tie, Chidge? Will you just be drawing them? Oh, we'll draw lots, mate. Good. We'll we'll have the hot hot balls in the cap. Yeah. First email, first email that comes in with the correct answer. We could do that. We could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, actually, because there'll there'll be quite a few. Correct. The address again. Chelsea Fancast at gmail dot com. You could send it in as a yeah. I'll enter as someone else. You could. You could. Because but now you've told me, I'll know it'll be you. No, no, but you. If I find a name that you don't know, I've got. If I've got an email address, you might yeah. not know. It. This is, and th- there we go, and that proves why we will be drawing lots to see who wins it, because there'll be a few right answers. Anyway, on that on that bombshell, we better go. Uh, been great fun tonight. I do like these little preview shows. Great to hear, uh, 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 you know, varying opinions from all sorts of other people. But Marco, particularly lovely to see you. You know, I mean, not in the flesh, but I, I, I see you. It's great to see you, mate. Let's see you guys. Yeah, you're looking well, mate. That's the good. That's the great thing. Yeah, you're back. Marco is back. Marco is back. Hello. Whoa, yeah, hello. it's good to see you, mate. You stay safe and take care. Jake, Jk, you old reprobate, you ninja, you. Um, lovely to see you. Yes, you. Lovely to see you as ever. Did you enjoy having a little voiceover artist mate to play with tonight? It was lovely. He's got a lovely voice. He's yeah, done yeah. clearly done very well. Lovely impression of Sean Dyche. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. He had a a wit yeah. that uh, uh, I um. Uh, I, I relished. Yeah, he's I could, a good lad, Andy. Yeah. Good radio radio presenter too. No, he, he's, very fluent. He's, very fluent. He used to do the show after me on his own. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm sure he could. Um, he could do that. Yeah. He's got the gift of the gab. You could tell. Yeah, it's not good. not a lot of people could do that. So there we go. That was great. So Jonathan, great to see you. I'll see you on Monday. I think on Monday we have. Uh, I think we've got Joe Tweeds with us. There you go, Tony and Joe, and with me and Marco, uh, me and J.K. on Monday. I'm looking forward to it already. I'll be looking forward to it more if we wallop Burnley tomorrow, which I'm sure we will. And on that happy note, right, that's been a lot of fun tonight as ever. Thank you for listening, especially the people who joined us in Mixler. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep it carefree, keep it blue. Up the chills! Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.